Welcome back to Pure Skin Talk. My name is Devin MacArthur. How are you guys? Okay, so for the next two weeks, this episode and next week's episode, it's a two-parter. I interviewed another esthetician who went to the Arizona retreat with me. And, you know, I I might start doing more of these stories where we listen to estheticians' journeys because I find them really interesting. And you can always learn from stuff like that, from these conversations. But these two episodes run a little long, so I'm just going to get into it. I don't really have anything new to report anyways, but as always, follow me on social media. That's where you can get the latest and greatest up-to-date information. So let's talk about... Nicole Hines. She is a joy. She is such a like a bright light when I think of that phrase, which is actually not one of my favorite phrases, but I think it perfectly describes her. She just is a happy person. Not that that's hard to find in this industry because I think we just love what we do, but she just, she radiates. I mean, her smile, she's just such a nice person. And I learned a lot from her just listening to her story and talk about a hustle. Whoa, she's got hustle. All right, so let me introduce you to her. Nicole Hines is a licensed cosmetologist, esthetician, and tattooist in Missouri. She's also a licensed cosmetologist in Kansas. She is currently serving her fifth term as vice chairman of Kansas State Board of Cosmetology. Nicole is the owner of Skin and Hair Removal Spas, Bella Bar Holistic Aesthetics and Lofts by Bella Bar. So they're like salon suites. Her business includes her own vegan and botanical skincare product line. But Bella Bar has two locations, Kansas City, Missouri and Leewood, Kansas. Quarterly, Nicole hosts continuing education classes for beauty industry business and Brazilian waxing at her Missouri location. Nicola attended Spielman College, Atlanta, Georgia, as an English major and is a graduate of Mid-America Nazarene. Nicola has been a licensed hairstylist and esthetician for 29 years. You wouldn't know it by looking at her. She has owned a hair salon, salon and day spa. Also, she is a Allstate agency licensed insurance owner and agent and financial planner and has a yoga studio as a certified yoga instructor. I mean, I'm exhausted already. That is just, it's crazy. She is proud to have her eldest daughter, Kyler, who is also an RN and an esthetician. And she works as an esthetician in the family business. Nicole is currently expanding Lofts by Bella Bar with a third location, a salon suites business model in Leewood, Kansas, scheduled to open this July, 2023. Nicole has been happily married to Roger Hines for 29 years and has a younger daughter, Corey Hines. So here we go. Here is Nicole. She is amazing. I love, love her story. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to Pure Skin Talk. It's so good to have you here today. Hello. Thanks for having me. So Nicole and I met officially at the SkinScript retreat last weekend. And she was on my Instagram because she followed my account and she knew about me. But I knew of her because she comments, but I didn't really know her. 
until we met at the retreat and she came running up to me and it was probably one of the best moments of my life. (laughs) Definitely one of the best in my aesthetics career. But let's talk about you. Tell me about your journey. Tell me about what you do as your work every single day and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I didn't go to cosmetology school till I was 26. I turned 27 when I was in school because my story is like many. My parents were flabbergasted that I wanted to go to cosmetology school out of high school. So they made me go to college. So I went to Spelman College and also Mid-America Nazarene is where I actually graduated from. I was a flight attendant for a few years and then had a baby, got married, and getting into the beauty industry was still tugging at me. So at 26 years old, I was like, that's it. I'm going. So I started off night school, like many people's story, and nothing has changed in 30 years. Uh, That was like 1993, 1994. Nothing has changed. Like night school, the teachers kept changing. I'd come in. It's like, who is this person? This is somebody new. Like all the time, they couldn't keep a teacher to keep us on track. So I quit my job. I was working in a call center. So I went from being a flight attendant, a working mom as a flight attendant and a wife to working in a call center, just an hourly job making nine fifty an hour. The catalyst for going to cosmetology oh school was I was working so hard. Customers would send letters about how great my customer service was. And I got a quarter raise. Wow. My, quarter. my salary went from nine twenty five to nine fifty, And that's when I said, I am done. I'm going to go live my life. So that was the catalyst that got me to where I am today, just by realizing it just wasn't going to happen for me at that point. I was young and I was like, I got to move. Now, did you like being a flight attendant? I loved being a flight attendant, but I had a baby. So I missed her first words, her first steps. Oh, yeah. My grandmother and my mother-in-law were taking care of the baby. My mom was still working, so she couldn't really help. My husband was wonderful. He did the best he could, but it, it, it was a lot. So it was just time for me to quit and come home and like figure out something else. Yeah. So that that was the deal with that. I was like, I got to make a change. It's not about me anymore. It's about my family. So I quit the call center job, started going to school days. So I did finish in about nine months. There was a snag in that because even when I was in school, the school I was at, I started to notice that the different schools were closing. So they had like nursing, accounting, cosmetology, and they started closing down the different departments. And remember (laughs) now I'm older than my 18 year old classmates. And I'm like, I think our school might close. And they're like, what are you talking about? No, it's not. So I made the move. One day, big mama, I was a big mama back then too. I took my younger classmates and we rolled around to different schools during lunch. I interviewed the directors real quick, checked out the schools. I chose one and I made sure Missouri had all of my hours as of that time. And in my last eight weeks, I transferred to another school. Good for you. Yeah, I was there in my last week or two. I'd been there about six weeks or so. Classmates start streaming in from the old school. What are you guys doing here? The school closed and they lost their hours because their hours were not turned in. Oh, that's terrible. It was terrible. But I look, I finished in my eight weeks at this new school and uh, started my journey from there. Um, Let's see, I was a booth renter. Well, I started actually, the school had a salon connected to it. And there was one young lady in there named Bobby. She was like the manager and the hairstylist. I went to the owners of the school. It was a family owned business. And I said, hey, when I graduate next week, can I go work in the salon? It was literally right through the door, you know, like in a strip mall. And I knew Bobby was in there by herself. Can I work in there? They're like, you'll have to talk to Bobby. So I went in there and talked to her and she had four stations. So three open. And she was like, yeah, you can come work with me. Perfect. And I worked there for a year commission. And then after a year, 
I started booth renting. And so I booth rented from a woman who was about 62, 63 years old in a house. And I was a hairstylist, just straight up hair. And I did hair for three years there. And then in 1999, really 1998, my husband came to me. So I'd been licensed for about four years or so, four or five, four years, I guess. My husband was like, babe, you're doing it. It's time for you to open your own salon. Aww. Yeah, that's where the next step came where I was in what is now called the Crossroads District here in Kansas City. But back then it was called the Freight House Light District. You know, like an area of downtown where it's desolate. Yeah. It's a desert, you know, back in the day, 30 years ago, no one is there. No one has vision. No one thinks it's going to do anything. And I, I saw potential. Yeah. So I opened my salon in an area where, you know, I started catering to the women who work downtown and it started off as a booth rent salon. It was three stations. I was one of the original salon suites people. Cause I had salons before Sola and Solera. I had salon suites wow. back then. We had a dryer room with 11 dryers in it. Cause we were we were moving, doing 20, 25 people a day. That's a lot of dryers. <laughs> we were working like 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. And I got the smart idea. If we moved all of our evening clients to the morning, then we can get out earlier and go be moms. That's not yeah. what happened. We moved all the evening people to the morning. So we were starting at 6 a.m. And then we started working till midnight. So I did oh, that geez. for years. I did that for I'm probably uh, seven or eight years working just ridiculous hours. Saw my kids Saturday night, Sunday, and then would start back up on Mondays and, and roll. It, it was a crazy life. So I had the salon for about three years. Then I expanded. So that was 1,200 square feet. Then I expanded to 2,400 square feet and expanded to a salon and day spa. Wow. So I did that for several more years. And then finally, I was just so burnt out and I was ready to go. And I got an opportunity to buy an all-state agency. So I sold my salon and day spa and I became an all-state agent. Now, the thing about that... What? Yes. Until you step into the shoes of something, you don't realize that it's not your path. My husband was was an insurance agent with that company. And I was like, well, we'll just combine forces. He was on the Kansas side. I'll be on the Missouri side. And this will just be this great life. So I opened Nicole Hines and Lights, Nicole Hines All-State Agency on 12th and Grand in Kansas City. I had that agency for two years. After a year, I put it up for sale. Now, unfortunately, with selling an agency, it has to be an All-State approved buyer. So it's not like I could just say, Devin, you want to buy it like I've done with my salon and day spa. They approve who, who the buyer is. Right. So you know, you just put it out there, you tell the company you're ready to sell. And it took a year. So for a straight year, I was an Allstate agent. And then after a year, I opened another salon. That's when I went to a Sola Salons, because this was a new thing. Yeah. And one of my clients told me about it right before I signed a lease for yet another big salon. They were like, maybe you want to try this room thing. You know, that kind of concept you had when you had Main on Main, your salon. I was like, yeah, they were like, there's this concept. Now you can just rent a room. And so I went over to the Sola, looked at the room and said, yeah, I'll rent it. So then I was living a dual life, a double life. I was an Allstate agent and I went back to doing hair. Now I'd been gone for about a year, but instantly what I did was I had one of my employees who had worked at my salon and day spa. She was also working at my agency. I had her to call everyone that she knew had never gone back to the business after I left. So the day I left, she, she was still working there. But the day I left, everyone who left with, you know, had left. When I left, they left. They went and found other people to go to. They didn't stay at the business that I'd sold. Yeah. She was still working there. So she knew who those people were. 
So she reached out to them. I also put an ad in the newspaper. So I did that like in February of 2008. When I started in April of 2008, my book was already full again. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's how I did that. So I did that for a year, sold that business, sold the Allstate agency after another year. So I didn't have to live the dual life and was cruising along just fine. Everything's going fine. And then in 2011, our youngest, January 6th, 2011, our soon-to-be 26-year-old was diagnosed with leukemia on January 6th. Oh, wow. So we lived at Children's Mercy Hospital. I'm, and I mean, literally live. Like people, you know, you go to bed at night at your home. Yeah. I went to bed every night at Children's Mercy. I never missed a day of work, Devin. Aside from the day of diagnosis and figuring out our lives, I never missed a day of work. So, you know, my work ethic is solid. So even though I was living <laughs> yeah. at the hospital and working to keep my daughter alive, right before that, our daughter was a track star. He had changed his work schedule so he could work nights, so he could help coach and train her after school. They were talking Olympics for her. Wow. That's the stellar athlete that this child was before she got sick. So our lives were already set up where I worked days, he worked nights. So when we had to live at the hospital, it was a seamless transition of, I would be there at night with her and then he would be there all day and sleep the best he could in the hospital room with her. So we already had that life going for a whole year. Wow. So after six months of treatment, we celebrated that she was cancer-free. She was in remission. Yay. And then she went to Paul Newman's Camp Hole in the Wall in Connecticut, came back and I started seeing the signs of leukemia again. <sighs> she had relapsed. So then we had to do a bone marrow transplant on October 6th. And we were in the hospital again. Yeah. So, so that's, that's wow. the background of my life. But I'm sharing that part to say that was the catalyst for switching me from being a hairstylist to an esthetician. Okay. 2011 was the year where it's like, I started really looking at how precious life is, how short life is, and how we have so much power that we otherwise think we are giving away. And I was giving away my power in the space of, I'm not happy doing hair anymore and I don't have to. Right, of course. Yeah, well, so literally Corey, our daughter, was still in the hospital recovering from her bone marrow transplant. Yet another client told me about another room I could rent that was not at a Sola. But in this deal, I figured out I could rent two rooms for the price of what I was paying at Sola. I worked that deal literally moved over while our daughter was still in the hospital. I moved my business over to this other place to rent two rooms instead of one. I had Nikki's niche, which, which was my hair. I opened Nikki's wax bar. So literally I, I rented two rooms. One was for hair and one was for wax. The idea for me was the hair clients can get wax, but I don't want any more hair clients. I don't want the wax clients to get hair. So it was really important to keep them separate because I was on a mission to like get myself out of hair. Right. Smart. So from 2011 until 2013, I hustled. I worked both for about a year, year and a half. I gave up all my off days. I was doing hair three days a week. I was doing wax, just straight wax the other three or four days a week. And keeping our daughter alive, nursing her back to health. All, all of that was going on at the same time. But I was, de I was determined to get myself away from hair. Determined. That right there, I mean, even if that was the end of your story and you just like, it's just been smooth sailing. I mean, that's just incredible. To be able to like push through when you have a sick child, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews that I'm obsessed with. 
And I just can't imagine, I mean, well, I can because we did have, one of my nephews did get sick. So I do understand and uh, to a degree, obviously. And it's it's scary, it's frightening. And the fact that you were able to like push and persevere is, I mean, that's such a testament to who you are as as a person and, and how you were raised probably too. Yeah, both my parents, I'm, I'm a product of divorce, but I'm a military brat. And my mother was a director in human resources. So, you know, it was always like moving and shaking and doing her thing. Yeah. So I had examples of, you know, you, you find what you like or what you're good at, find your, find your purpose and you just work really hard at it. Honestly, that's where it came from, from both of, from both of my parents. It really did. That's great. That's so after, great. after a year of doing the two rooms there, then I went to where the complex that I'm in now, and you can imagine, because what I did was I rented another place where I had two separate rooms and continued on with the hair in one room, the wax in another. And then I expanded again because during that time with my daughter, the thing that really saved me was yoga. Okay. So I am a certified yoga teacher because also during that time between 2012 and 2013, I got certified in yoga because I was like, yoga saved my life. I can save somebody else's life. So I expanded to the suite next door to the original one I was in and I had a yoga studio. So with the yoga, what I would do is I taught a yoga class in the morning and then I would do hair and wax and I started doing skincare as well and skincare. And then I would teach another yoga class in the evening. I did that on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I was yoga class in the morning, work during the day teach another class at night. I did that for about two years. I had a couple of employees by that time because the business kept growing. So that's how I added one employee. And then I added another because the business just kept growing. And I was like, okay, I got to make a choice here. Is it going to be yoga? Is it going to be hair? Are you letting the hair go? Is it going to be the wax and skin? Something, there's only one of you, Nicole, something's got to go. Right. So these two employees that you hired, what did you hire them to do? Oh, more of what I was doing. Just making little Nickies. Okay. I just I just needed more people that, yeah, I just needed more. And the first one actually, because I was very resistant to having employees because in that salon and day spa I'd had back in the beginning, I had booth renters. I had salaried employees, like the front desk was salaried. And then I had commission, which was some of the hairstylists, the massage therapists, a couple of the estheticians. So I had all the different, what do you want to call them? The pay structures. I had them all going on before. And I said, I would never have employees again because it was, it was so hard. And it was, you know, the nightmare story. I could tell you the craziest stories. You wouldn't believe the things that were going on in my salon. But what happened was my book was so full. I could see, I, I had a virtual receptionist who was answering my phones for me and turning away clients. Wow. And I had a client who just kept for like a year kept tapping me, wanting to work for me. And I'm like, no, no, no. You can rent a room, but I, w- I will not be your employer. And she kept just every every month when she'd come in with those big blue eyes and she'd lay there getting her Brazilian and looking at me going, I'm ready when you are because she was licensed, but she didn't have clientele and couldn't like, you know, right. rent Makes sense. a room. And finally I was like, okay, let's do it. And so once she started, the momentum kept going. And so we kept growing and then she was full. And then I hired another one and it's too long of a story and it's not for here. You can imagine the typical salon nightmare stories for how all of that imploded with, you know, the whole, Oh, my book is big enough. I'm going to take it away. And then it's a typical thing that, that you see in the face group. It's the same thing where they, one got a hold of her people 
And I, you know, someone tapped me and said, she's opened a Facebook page and I think she's going to be leaving you. And, you know, it, it, it happened as it does. And then they were, they were off sharing a room somewhere and left me oh like, uh, okay, yeah. now what do I do with all this space? Cause I'm here alone. So there's no loyalty. That's the problem. No, no. And it was all off of like, you know how I post now I was doing mm-hmm. that back then they were doing nothing. It was like they didn't connect the dots even to the reason why your book is what it is. It's my overflow. In the online booking, I'd taken myself, I was using Acuity at the time, where I put them at the top. One of them even had the business phone. So I gave up, I didn't have the receptionist answering the phone. I gave one of them. Well, we still had, I still had the virtuous, virtual receptionist, but she didn't really need to answer anymore unless everybody was busy because I gave one of the girls the business phone to catch it to catch the calls and book for herself and book for her coworker. Wow. That's how open I was and how important it was for me to see everybody grow and thrive. And I was trying, I'm the boss who every Saturday morning was bringing them a Starbucks coffee every morning. I didn't work Saturdays, but I knew they were at work and it wasn't out of guilt. I was just, I just loved my business that much. And I was so happy to have them. I was bringing them a coffee every morning, not, not hanging, just, Hey, here's your coffees for the day. You guys have a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. That's incredible. I mean, that just doesn't, that just, I worked, I started off in a salon. I mean, it was my business, like from product to everything day one, but I started off in a salon and I'm telling you that that was not what was happening. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it just, it, that's, I mean, and, and I know so many people obviously in the business. I always had friends in the business and that's just not how it works. Now, I'm not saying that every boss is horrible, but most bosses owners, whatever you want to call them, are not bringing their salon coffee. No. And making sure that they're set for the day. That they are literally taking care. And I'm going to be honest, like what started to happen was, okay, I'm still doing more business than they are, but why do you all need product so much? So you know what was happening. Oh, unbelievable. Somebody was setting up. Yeah. For, for the exit off on, on me. On your dime, yeah. I was like, what? How do, you, how do you need more stuff already? What is going on? And I started tracking it more closely. And of course, then, then you know, it's like, well, she doesn't trust us. No, I don't because something's going on. Why do I keep having to buy more wax? How could you possibly need more wax? Yeah, well, yeah. In the end, we know, we know what was going on with that. So what I did was I went to the owner and I asked about moving to another space. And because I had had a relationship with her for so long and it was good, she literally came over that day and took me. So I'm in a complex with three buildings. And so I'd already had two suites in the mm-hmm. one building. She was like, yes, there's an empty suite in each building. She literally came over within 30 minutes, showed me spaces in all three buildings that were available. I chose the one I wanted. Yes, it cost me thousands of dollars, but I did a buyout. And I bought myself out of the lease that had had the yoga studio and the three treatment rooms, bought mm-hmm. myself out of that lease, moved into... The suite I still have, if you if you see my Instagram right now, there's construction going on upstairs. The upstairs is where I was with a kitchenette, a huge room, and a smaller room. I was there for the last five years. That is now being renovated, and the kitchenette and part of the lobby is being turned into a third room. So I will have three rooms upstairs. It's Lofts by Bellabards, my version of Sola Suites. So mm-hmm. I have upstairs. Because I've moved downstairs in that same building, I now have five rooms downstairs. So that's where I work. My daughter works. 
two other estheticians work. I have one more empty room downstairs. So I have my own version of salon suites yet again that I'd had back in 1999. I'm just back to it again. I will never employ again. I really mean it this time. It's just not for me. My husband says it's part of like what you said. I am such a softy. Mm-hmm. I don't manage people well. Right. I mommy them. Right. But I don't, I don't manage. And so I know it's just a weakness and it's not something, I, it's not a skill I even want to hone. It's just not necessary. I don't like carrying all the baggage for everyone and all of their life stuff. Right. You just need to, I'm going to give you a beautiful, wonderful, safe environment to work in. I'm going to help you with your business side. When you ask me questions, anything you ask me, I'm going to help you with. And then I'm going to let you go. I mean, you just need to pay me and I'm just going to move on. But I will not employ again after what I've been through. Listen, I went through that. And this was after like my parents were in the restaurant business and I worked for them for, you know, basically 20 years. And I'm like, why did I take on employees? Like, I mean, I went through and I understand it was a restaurant, but I looked at it as, okay, well, now you're getting people that are choosing to be in this industry. Whereas a restaurant is more like, I need a job, I need money. But you're thinking, if you went to massage school, you wanna be a massage therapist. You know what I mean? So I thought, okay, this is how it's gonna be different. And it wasn't. I was surprised. Okay. I was like, people didn't wanna work. Like they just didn't wanna show up. And I'm just, I'm thinking, well, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna be a babysitter. I mean, at this point, I was in my 30s and I'm like, I don't want to be a babysitter. So I got out of there. Luckily, in a year, I had to find somebody to take over my lease. And so they did, but it still, you know, still cost money to get out of it. But I didn't care because in the end, it was going to cost me more money to stay. And it was going to cost me my sanity because it was already just draining me. I was starting not to love what I did because I was doing so much of the other stuff, you know? And I thought, what what am I doing? This is not what I signed up for. And so I've said, I will never do an employee type business ever again. It's not worth it. People don't all have the same work ethic. You can see it in the groups. You see it everywhere. And I, I just think, no, it's not for me, you know? No. It's good to know what's not for you. And it's interesting when you're talking about all of a sudden you having to go through more product and everything. That's the disadvantage to people who don't, have a license in this business because you don't understand. So I'm always surprised when people be like, I'm going to own a salon because this seems like fun. And it's like, but you have to know about product usage. Mm -hmm. That's a huge thing because people will definitely take advantage of you. You know, not everybody's honest. Even someone you think is your best friend may not be honest. Oh, absolutely. And it changes. It really does. Yeah. Hard times changes people. And so I don't know. I just, I don't want to deal with any of it. And I'm, I'm so much happier on my own because if I don't work, it's on me. Yeah. I only have myself to blame. And I, there's something comforting about having to take my own accountability. Like if I'm upset because, you know, I didn't work yesterday, well, that's my own fault. I didn't bring money in because I didn't work instead of like, oh gosh, you know, Marsha didn't show up again. You know, like I don't have to worry about that. So forget it. I'm done. (laughs) Absolutely. So the other part I did leave out in all this is um, my daughter that's a nurse, Kyler, the other daughter, the older daughter, mm-hmm. she wanted to do aesthetics. She decided she she wanted to join the business. 
And, you know, every state is different. We live in Kansas. I'm licensed in Kansas and Missouri. Kansas does not have an apprenticeship, but Missouri does. And back in the day, I had been an apprentice supervisor at my salon and day spa for a couple of people. So I knew how to do it. The first step is you have to get with the state and officially be an apprentice supervisor. And, and, you know, you do, you do your testing and you do a class and you get the official apprentice supervisor. And then she had to get her apprentice licensing. And then I opened a Missouri. That's where I am today. I'm in the Missouri location. So yes, I have the eight rooms in Kansas, but then I have a ninth room because I'm over here in the Missouri and in the process of bringing someone in over here who will be a booth renter. She will not be an employee, but she will do brows the same as I do out of the Missouri location. Oh my gosh. Oh, and I, I'm vice chair of Kansas State Board of Cosmetology. Yeah. So there's that. I forgot that and all my, my stuff of what I do. So I definitely need to stay compliant with being vice chair yeah. of Kansas State Board of Co- Like I'm not going to do anything that's not compliant. Right. So I had to train my daughter over here in Missouri And then when she saw the construction in Kansas, she quickly went and got reciprocity because she wanted to be in the new space in Kansas. And that's what left me with this space, which is what I thought she was going to work out of. And she didn't. But I have to keep it because also in the last two years, I've gotten my tattoo license. I apprenticed in Missouri with the lady who rented a room in my Kansas, that that upstairs. Uh She's, She's a tattooist on the Kansas side. But she also parked her Missouri tattoo license over here on the Missouri side so she could work out of both locations. She became an apprentice supervisor to supervise me and train me for the last year and a half in powder brows, just specifically powder brows. But, it's, you know, you still have to have a tattoo license as if I'm tattooing butterflies on someone. Right, right. So I've got that licensing over here. So I have to keep the Missouri in order to do my powder brows, in order to do brow tattooing, because I cannot do it in Kansas because of the reciprocity in Kansas, the only way to become a tattooist in Kansas is with an apprentice supervisor, which I tried 10 years ago when I wanted to leave hair. I wanted to do cosmetic tattooing to begin with, but it's so complicated. You call around to everyone who's approved by state board to see if someone will take you on. And everyone told me no, which means that I was completely locked out of being able to tattoo. So for 10 years, I did the aesthetics right. since I was licensed in both anyway. Right. I did that when I really wanted to do the cosmetic tattooing, but couldn't because that's the only way you can do it. You basically have to have a gatekeeper say, yes, we will let you in. I will tell you what state board right now, every meeting, it is on the agenda. We are continuing to have discussions about it because there are no tattoo schools in Kansas. So how else can we, we need to make it easier. We need another way other than this gatekeeper way of, People who want a tattoo in Kansas have to find someone to say, yes, I will take you on. And the list is this long. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, that's the only way you can do it. So how far are your locations apart from each other, from Kansas City to Missouri? They're about 25 miles apart. And I live literally like in the middle. I live in Kansas, but it's a 15-minute drive to my location in Kansas. It's about a 15-minute drive over here. Even if I wanted to leave here and go to the Kansas, it takes me about 20 minutes. Okay. Okay. That's not bad. It's not far at all. Okay. Okay. I mean, you talk about crossing state lines. I'm like, I mean, because I'm in California. So you don't even know when you're in Kansas or Missouri. You don't even, there's no big sign, you know, where I'm driving that says, welcome to Kansas. Welcome. to." You literally don't know you've crossed from one side to the other. You, you don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. California is too big for that. Like when I enter Nevada to go to Vegas or something, it's like, you know, Nevada. 
like, you know, you've crossed over, you know? Yeah. It's completely different. And see, like in, so in Missouri, I have my cosmetology and my aesthetics. You cannot do a lot of the skincare things. You cannot do Brazilians in Missouri without your aesthetics. A cosmetologist cannot do Brazilian. Oh. You can't wax below, I think it's the neck, without oh. your aesthetics license. So a lot being a cosmetologist in Missouri does not, hair, nails, and skin only gets you so, so far. It's called a cosmetology all. A cosmetology all does not allow you to do everything that an esthetician does in general. But on the Kansas side, all I had to do was get my cosmetology reciprocity. I don't have my aesthetics license in Kansas. I don't need it. On the Kansas side, you can do everything. Your cosmetology all. You can do everything. You can do hair, nails, everything that you want. So every state is so different. So like the micro channeling, Mm -hmm. it's another reason to keep the Missouri. I can only do it out of Missouri. I cannot do it out of Kansas because Kansas only allows estheticians to uh, go as deep as the stratum corneum. Okay. And you know, we're going to go deeper than that. So I cannot do that on the Kansas side until I get my tattoo reciprocity. When I get my tattoo license in Kansas, then from what I'm understanding, don't quote me on it. I'm still trying to get it in writing. I should be able to do micro channeling in Kansas because I have my tattoo license as well. Right, right. God, it's just, they make it so complicated, you know, and it doesn't need to be. Yeah, but but like, oh, were you in the class when the young lady was talking about state board? I don't think I was. Okay, so I guess we'll segue over into the skin script retreat. So what happened while you weren't there that morning, I think it was Monday morning, was one of the young ladies who's licensed in Missouri got the mic and started talking about Kansas and Missouri and state board in general. She did preface by saying state board is not our enemy. State board is there to help us. So she did preface (laughs) um... with that. It wasn't (laughs) like she was like state board is the enemy. But then she started down the road and went what piqued my interest to realize I was going to have to surface because I don't go around introducing myself for who I am. I'm just, right, I mean, right. I'm just Nicole, right? She says, and I'm, you know, I'm just listening like everybody. And my head went on swivel when she said, <laughs> hey, state board lady, you don't even know what we do. You don't even know our profession. You're up there making decisions and you don't know what. And then I was like, And so one of the facilitators, you know, thank goodness she came over to me and I grabbed her by the arm and I yanked her down and I said, I must speak. I am the vice chair of Kansas State Board of Cosmetology. And she was like, oh my goodness, what is about to happen? So I got the mic after she spoke and I was not expecting this, Devin. You know, I was at the back of the room. I was in that last row. I had the mic and I said, hello, everyone. And I leaned over and looked at that SD and I said, I am the state board lady. And the whole room erupted. Everybody turned around and started clapping. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening right now? Oh, I wish I was there. Yeah, I was like, I am the vice chair. And I was like, just to let you know about Kansas, we have to have two cosmetologists, an esthetician, a tattoo person, a member of the public and an owner of the schools. So, you know, it is the professions that our cosmetology takes care of we have someone from each, you know, and aesthetics too, if I didn't say we have, so that that's what the board is made up of. And then I went on to explain to everybody in the room that it's not the big, bad state board that comes up with all this different stuff. 
it is your legislators. I said, I know that politics is a four letter word, but you must be involved. Your career is political. It is what it is. And I know what the SD, the SD was like, Kansas just got dermaplaning not too long ago. And I was like, that's because of me. I was like the first day that I met the board when I got on the board, because you were appointed by the governor's office. But I was like, day one, meeting my my colleagues, I told them I've joined this board because we had dermaplaning and it was taken away. Oh, and I wanted us to get it back. So day one, I let them know I decided to apply and I am on this board because I want us to get dermaplaning back. We spent about six months going through a lot of rigmarole to get it back. And the final decision, the day we voted, they used an Instagram video from my Instagram showing what dermaplaning is and that we were not actually cutting into the face or doing anything. And as long as you knew what you were doing, you weren't going to like, there's no blood involved and it's a medical device, but not, you know, it was like a whole thing. Yeah. And they voted it in and that's how we got it back. So I was like, this state board lady got Kansas dermaplaning. You're welcome. (laughs) That's so (laughs) awesome. Listen, California just got dermaplaning. I mean, you know, we're so behind on everything. Like I understand. And when you're sitting from where I'm sitting, you don't necessarily know who's on the board. And I admit, I don't get myself involved but I don't do it because for for me, because I get too frustrated. I get too angry at all the like bureaucracy of of it all. And when I was in the restaurant business, you know, uh, we'd get health department coming in and they just try to get you. It would be the dumbest things that they would, you know, that that had nothing to do with, you know, health, whatever their their standards. Right. And I got to the point where I wasn't allowed to talk to them anymore (laughs) because I couldn't control myself. Like I would come off with such an attitude. So my dad was like, you're not allowed to deal with them anymore. And I was the manager. So of course I'm the person, but he would either make sure he was there or somebody else we could trust. But yeah, I wasn't allowed to anymore because I couldn't keep my mouth shut, you know? No, I totally get it. I totally get it. And, And look, the thing is like, you know, I told the room, Kansas got threading taken away. I mean, come on. And I testified twice before the lawmakers. And I got—I didn't tell them this part. I got yelled at by one of the legislatures because I brought up human trafficking. He prefaced and he said, Nicole, I have a question for you. But before I ask you your question, I want to tell you, I am voting for this bill, but I feel it was very inappropriate for you to bring up human trafficking in this testimony. That's what he said to me. And what I had brought up and tried to explain to them was if we, our inspectors are trained to look for signs of human trafficking. If you all allow us to have businesses that say threading on them, which by the way, I told them, I was like, you see the sign in sheets on these places. Cause they had cop, they had like pictures of different sign in sheets of different threading places. They do threading, waxing facials. They do everything. But the fact that you're going to allow threading to be unlicensed in our state means that they're just going to have a sign that says they're threading. They're still doing everything inside, but they'll never be inspected because they say they're only doing threading. So no one ever goes in. Right. So that means it opens up easier for human trafficking and also doing all the other things that you say they have to be licensed for that they're not going to be licensed for. No one's ever going in there. Right. In, in a licensed establishment, if an inspector comes in and they say that's threading behind that door, then an inspector can't look behind that door. I was like, we're opening ourselves up to something that yeah. is just, it's beyond mean old Nikki, not, not wanting um, people to work. Because at the same time that this was going on to get this bill passed, Devin, 
there is a group. It's in a group of attorneys. I'm not going to say the name of it. I told people one-on-one at the retreat, but my name and the chair's name were on a lawsuit and we were personally being sued by this attorney organization that goes around the country doing this because mean old Nikki and mean old chair are trying to stop people from their right to work. That's what the lawsuit was about that I personally and the chair were stopping people from their right to work. And Nicole has the audacity to not allow these people who learned their trade or learned how to do their craft in their country. This is what happened to braiding. That's why braiding is unlicensed in the state of Kansas too, with the same argument 10 years ago, they used the same model and they're chipping away little by little. So they got the braiding then 10 years later. Now they, that's crazy. You don't want these things unregulated, you know? No, no, but listen, okay, as vice chair, I was in Vegas last year for, last year they sent me for the deregulation or the regulation conference in Vegas. This organization, you know how people have their booths with their tables set Mm -hmm. up with what they're about? They have a bill this thick that is to unlicense the beauty industry completely. Hair, nails, skin, like anybody who wants to do it, just go do it for the country. Yeah. There is a national initiative to get rid of us altogether. Yeah. And then they have a smaller bill in their their bills. It's a smaller bill. I'm going to try to find them. I'll send them to you. There's a smaller bill that has seven modalities or or seven services that they feel, these attorneys feel, cause no one danger. Um, I know a couple of them. Eyelashes, threading. Eyelashes? Blow drying. Yes. Yes. And here's the deal. When I stood before this man who I knew that his organization was suing me, but I know he didn't know, you know, because I'm unassuming. Again, he didn't know that the woman standing before him is the Nicole Hines that they were currently suing. There was a lawsuit. It got dropped when the bill passed. Let me say that. But even in the testimony of that, when the legislators were asking, are you going to keep suing Nicole and the chair if this passes? And the attorney was like, "Mm, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, come on. But they did drop it after they got what they wanted was deregulation. But the day in Vegas that I stood across from this man with this bill and my hair was on fire, having a conversation with him about it was all of his talking points. And when I said to him, lashes are problematic. How do you have lashes on this list of things that in your opinion, and you're not in my business, you feel are, are, can't harm anyone. And he said to me, it can be something certified. So if someone wants to do lashes, they can go get certified in it to be able to do it and do it properly. I forgot to say to him that legitimate companies will not train people who are not licensed in the first place. I did address the issue in bullet point that you do know that these are people who cannot get insurance. So you're opening up for a customer who is blinded by someone who gets lashes and they, they want to be made whole. And this person who did this to them doesn't even have liability or E&O insurance because insurance companies are not going to insure people who don't have licensing and training. Right. That person is just going to be blinded and they're, they can't get medical care. They can't get anything from the person who has harmed them because you've allowed all these people to be out here willy-nilly. Right. And you know what he said? Oh, gosh. He said, unfortunately, that's something, I mean, that's just kind of like the law of luck and not luck and the law of averages. I mean, some people will just be harmed. But it doesn't have to be that way. No, it doesn't. It's like when you go into nail salons and they're doing facials in the back and waxing in the back. Like they're not promoting that until you sit in the chair 
And then they're saying, hey, you want your eyebrows, you look like you need to get waxed or something. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. Like they're not being regulated for any of that stuff, you know? No, they're not. And some people don't know that if you get your nail license, that's not an aesthetic license. That's a nail license. It's very different. But they have access to all the product so they can buy it all. But that doesn't mean they know what they're doing. No, I mean, if you think about it, like, so when this threading thing, I mean, I was on it. I had all of my colleagues, I had Estes reposting my stuff. They were post, I was posting theirs. Like we were trying to bring public awareness. We, we had a petition that we were having people. I mean, we did everything that we could, but keep in mind, even during the testimony, a little birdie whispered in my ear and said, Nikki, this is going to go through. This is politics. They've already made up their minds. We're just doing the testimony to have it on the record because those deals are done. Wow. It's politics. Those deals are already done. We're just putting things on the record. They already knew what they were going to do and they had the votes. It was what it was. The only thing, Devin, that I was able to have changed is from my testimony. This makes no sense, but they came up, they actually put it in writing. You can only thread from the neck up because of my human trafficking testimony. Like what? Because you're stuck on people take their clothes off or I I don't even know. I think they missed the point of that. Mm -hmm. They totally missed the point. So they, but they came up with, oh, Human trafficking, we'll just let them, what, but who's, who's policing that? You said, okay, so you came up with this little, this little caveat in the rule or the law, but how, how are you policing or managing or, or keeping in on the rails people who never get inspected, people who fall under no one? How, those people who are unlicensed don't even know that you've come up with this rule that you want them to follow to only thread from the neck up. Right. Why would they know that? Because they'll never get that information. It's an unlicensed modality. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's where the laws in life don't match. Right, right. This is why I hate politics. <laughs> yes, I get it. But I, I, I'm there to fight. I'm in my fifth year and I, and I will, I will stay and I will be there. And I, as long as the chair wants me as his right hand woman, I'm more of counsel. He does a lot. It's like a full-time job, which he said he would like for me to take when he's done. I will never be chair. I you, you can, <laughs> you can, I can sign on that. I, I can't do it because you, I have all my own stuff going on and it is a full-time job on its own along with him running his schools. He is taking care of so much for us. At this, along with the office, because you know there's the board, and then there's the office with the nine to five working people in there that work their butts off in Topeka at State Capitol to keep our industry together. Okay, so there's those, but the chair, the chairman of our board, and the executive director, and right now we just have, we have what do you call it a stand-in? Like our executive director resigned, so we have someone who's an acting. We have an acting mm-hmm. executive director right now. So the chair is taking on a lot. There's always a lot going on. So I'm just counsel pretty much like, don't do that. Or yeah, I think you should do that. Or that, that's kind of where I sit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish you lived in California so you could fight for us here because <laughs> it's pretty screwy. That's for sure. I mean, you can do lashes and just be certified here but you can't work in a salon unless you're licensed. Ah. You can open up your own place and you don't have to be licensed. See, these little gray areas don't make any sense. Yeah, it's the same with makeup. Like I'm technically certified in makeup because I was a makeup artist first. 
But I knew friends who worked at a salon and they wanted me to work there. And I couldn't because I didn't have my license at the time. Got it. You know, I could have opened up my own makeup studio if I wanted to. And that would have been, you know, completely legit. I mean, it's like when you work at the mall. Say you work for Mac and you're putting makeup on people all day. Those people aren't necessarily licensed, you know? I mean, they really could have just taken a job at Nordstrom and now they work at the Mac counter. You know what I mean? So it's very unregulated. I, especially because now I'm on this side and I see all the things that can go wrong and I see how dirty people are. And that's what concerns me. You know, that's why things need to, you know, have regulation for sure. But the problem is they're over-regulating the wrong things. And they're not understanding that as long as we're educated and properly trained, let us do it. You know, the people that aren't being licensed are not regulated and they're the ones that are causing all the issues, you know? I mean, I see it on TikTok. You see the videos I post. I mean, it's frightening some of the things that are being done. You're just like, what's happening to this world, you know? And then I think like even just getting your makeup done, if people aren't cleaning the brushes in between, I mean, you can get an eye infection, you know, whatever. And none of that is regulated. People can do whatever they want. I mean, we learned about cleanliness like pretty quickly on. It was like, so I, I, plus I'm just a clean person, but like we learned it in makeup school, all the things you have to do to make sure things are sanitary, to make sure that you're up to standards as if we were regulated. And that's the way it should be, but it's just not the way things are at this point. And I hope it changes, but... No, I hope it does too, but we'll see. I tried with the whole threading thing, the awareness that when people are like, well, what should I look for? I was like, well, like a spool of thread, you know, it should be in an enclosed container. Like you wouldn't want to see a spool of thread or however they do it, like just sitting on the counter where people sneeze on it, touch it. Just drag it on the floor. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, pay attention to where the thread comes from. Did they just pick up a piece of thread off the counter, which indicates that they use the same piece until it's frayed? Like, um, do you see any barbicide? I mean, seriously, do you see a barbicide container where like, is it a pair of tweezers that just sit on the counter where they tweeze a little something or when they take a spoolie and they, they trim your brows, is it just sitting on the counter somewhere? Or did they open an enclosed container and get what at least appeared to be a fresh one and a clean pair of tweezers and, and clean spoolie? Right. Or is it just something sitting on the counter? I told them, the, yeah, when you talk about infractions, like uh, I don't want to get specific on anyone, but like tent, lash tent and brow tent. I was like, if you see a big bowl with a huge amount of tent sitting on a counter, where obviously all day long, everybody that wants brow tint and lash tint, they are using that brush and slapping it on people all day long. Instead of you seeing them where they mix up something fresh out of a tube with some developer to put on you or go and get it for you, but you see a big, you know, a big thing of it, you know, you need to run because. (laughs) Is that a thing? Are you kidding me? We're not going to throw out product. We're going to let it oxidize and we're going to let it sit there and we're going to use it. And all day long, everybody, in fact, I'm trying to upsell everybody that wants their lashes done. It's coming right out of this bowl. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm surprised because that's just so gross. It's gross, but I mean, 
and, and some of it is because people don't know if you if you are not licensed, if you had not been to school to even know the things to like. Granted, we have people who are licensed who don't give a care, who are gross, who are not clean, yeah. who aren't going to yeah. do things until they're scrambling around mad that state board comes in. You have no reason to be upset or or running around like a chicken with your head cut off when state board comes in. If you're respecting yourself, your business, and your clients, and trying to keep yourself and your clients safe at all times, there is no reason to freak out and break out in a sweat and pass out or be mad or treat the state board person mean, honestly, when they come in the door, like they may be nitpicky or be on a, on a, what do you want to call it? A power trip or what have that. That's a whole different thing. I'm not talking about that part, but I'm talking about from the moment you hear state board has walked into the building. You personally, as a practitioner should not be freaking the F out because someone has walked in right? because you come on, open this drawer. What, What do you need? Because my stuff is together. Yeah, We have those that don't care about that and they freak out when state board is coming, right? So imagine the ones that don't even know the things that they should or should not be doing because they are unlicensed or they are untrained. Yeah. I mean, I do think some of it is common sense. Like if you used a brush on somebody, clean it before you use it. Like some of it is common sense. And I think that's the problem is I don't think everybody has common sense. Common sense and also they just don't care. Yeah. I want a nail tech but it has to be a natural nail tech. It has to be someone willing to work with bowls, no plumbed chairs for me, because I've Mm -hmm. seen enough of what's going on with the plumbed chairs. And some of it is not all on the practitioner because the things we expect them to use to clean all the different parts, tear up the equipment. It it just does. Don't tell me any of the stories. No, I'm not even (laughs) going to go there because actually I shouldn't anyway. You know, it's kind of like, it's not a HIPAA thing, but it's a, you know, somebody be like, Nicole was talking about me on that podcast. I get manicures all the time. And I'm like, please don't. And then I do my pedicures when summer. So don't tell me. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. You know what to look for. Yeah. And the place I go to, they're clean. They're in a, it's not a full nail salon. It's one of those like Sola Suite type things. And, and they're clean and, you know, yeah. But I just don't want to hear about plumbing or what. No, I, I no. just <laughs> I'm like, don't, don't ruin a good thing for me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) All right, you guys. So that is part one of my interview with Nicole. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Next week, we will talk about the retreat we went to in Arizona. And that has lots of good information too especially if you were thinking about participating in that retreat next year. Highly recommend, but we get into it. So I hope you guys enjoyed part one and we will talk next week. Hope you guys have a great week. Bye. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to follow me on social media at Pure Skin OC. I post lots of skincare tips and videos. You can find me at TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, you can always visit my website and my online store. If you're local and interested in receiving one of my treatments, all of my services are on there and you can even book from there too. You can also find my skincare coaching if you want to have a virtual consultation with me so that I can help you with your skin. And lastly, but so important, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Besides sharing it with your friends and family, this is the best way to help it grow. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Until next time.